Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Tree No Leaves Experience. I am your host, Dustin Galish. Welcome back. We're at episode seven now. Joining me this week was Tim Concannon. Uh, Tim is a musician, um, does a lot of booking at various uh, venues here in Bowling Green or just sort of the Northwest Ohio area. He also started a uh, open mic called the Hump Day Review, which is every Wednesday um, that he's been running for about the last 10 years. I think it started at uh, Grumpy Dave's um, in downtown Bowling Green now has migrated over to the Stone's Throw Tavern. Um, and so I was able to actually go spend some time with him um, at the Hump Day Review and ask him some questions there. So we have a little video segment related to that that you can check out. But otherwise, we just talked um, about a lot of different things. So it was a really good conversation with Tim, learned a lot. We uh, shared some experiences and really just trying to figure out what's the best way to get live music happening again. We talked a little bit about Augvents as well, which is something that Tim Concannon um, has also been a part of. You know, and Augvents is one of our sponsors. So, Well, without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy the Tree No Leaves experience. The Tree No Leaves experience is made possible with support from Grounds for Thought Coffee, serving Bowling Green, Coffee fresh and delivered. Grounds for Thought has been one of our sponsors, you know, providing the space for us to do our show. You know, this is our first season. We've been trying a lot of different things, and it's been nice for Grounds to provide us really a unique space to bring people in, have conversations, and that's sort of similar with what they do at their place. You know, Grounds for Thought has always been known for its coffee for sure. It's a bookstore, but it's also really a place for people to gather, meet, talk ideas, have conversations, um, and really just feel a sense of community. So we want to thank them again for being one of our sponsors. And if you can go to groundsforthought.com today, you can have coffee delivered. The Trina Leaves experience is also made possible with support from Augvents. Augvents is the quickest way to find live music in your area. It's a sort of an experimental app. Um, it's still sort of a work in progress, but it's something that I've been personally involved in. That's um, really just a, an app that uses GPS and augmented reality to show you where concerts are happening as close um, to you as possible so you can even say like i'm five miles away 20 miles and it'll show you shows based on your phone right there and what's happening and so it's kind of a way to get off your phone and have to navigate through all those other social media apps which really don't serve a purpose for really finding live music so if that sounds like something you're into uh, go to augvents uh, today it's in the app store the google store um, and also the apple store tim how you doing welcome to the trino leaves experience this is episode seven now awesome. seven. yeah so that's uh been going pretty well i kind of like uh it's been pretty interesting talking to people not just in bowling green but all over the place and so this is kind of fun now to talk to you i've been talking to a lot of people who i don't really know at all yeah. so, so this is a little different to be like hey let's learn more about tim and also there's a lot of things i don't really know about you so let's just start off with i give a brief introduction usually about who you are sure. and then i let you sort of continue from that so tim con cannon uh been in bowling green for how long now? It's been like about 20 years. I can't remember when you came back. Well, yeah, to it's town. been. I first came here in '91 to uh, go to college, play soccer here okay. at the university, and uh, stayed through college, and then left for a little while. Went to Cincinnati area, um, came back for a little while. Uh, well, over that time, I guess I went to Pittsburgh for a while too. Then came back a couple of years, and then went to Philly for a few years. Then I've been back since 2010. Okay, late, all right. Yeah. Which is pretty much when we met. Yeah, really, late 2009, like, pretty much, yeah. Mm -hmm. So in the segue into that, sort of like, so the Hump Day Review, you know, for me, in many ways, like, if anyone is aware of you outside of just you being a person, it's the Hump Day Review, right? This sort yes. of, this weekly sort of open mic. You know, if I had to describe anyone, it's, it's, it's sort of, you say it's an open mic. 
Yeah, but it, uh, that's limiting yeah. in some ways of what it is. You know, I would say. No, I I, I would just put glorified in there. <laughs> glorified, glorified over, over mic, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. So you do that. You also. Uh, you book now you've been booking stuff black swamp arts festival yes. other various things downtown bg live there's probably some other stuff farmers you, market yeah exactly yeah so sort of like kind of that whole sort of scene and that and really focus mostly on bowling green right is that sort of yeah yeah so that's long story short outside of other stuff we'll get into is that's kind of how i found out about you and you're yeah. still you're still at it so right so let's kind of let's like start a little bit there like what what started the Hump Day Review? Had you done open mics before, or you know, what, why? Well, I, in, I, I get reminded of things I'd done, I'd done a long time ago. I know um, back when I was uh, in college here in the '90s, like might have been around '93 or '94, could have been '95. But uh, I used to run a thing called Folk Night at Easy Street upstairs, okay. um, and that was before it was called Grumpy Dave's, but it was just it was just easy street upstairs, and they used to do jazz night up there, and I used to enjoy watching that. And I played in a band um, and did some various things. Um, but they had an open mic night up there as well. I think their open mic night might have been Tuesdays, and I think jazz might have been Wednesdays. But anyways, I asked Vic, who uh, owns Easy Street, to do something on Monday nights, and we, we started doing folk night for a while. I recently talked to a friend of mine. He thought it was called poetry night, but... <laughs> That's, um, that's a little different vibe. Yeah, <laughs> but we, but I still, I would still uh, have poets and stuff like that. And because um, that is one thing about the show, it isn't how was it's traditionally is sort of singer song or singer songwriter. But yeah, there's some other comedians. Things. I know that's that's that can be part of it, or just sort of anything. I know. Yeah, when I when I came back to Bowling Green in twi- late 20, 2009, I early so this was like early two thousand ten. I t- started talking to Vic and Dave. Um, Grumpy Dave, Dave Harper, who was running the place at the time. It was then called Grumpy Dave's Above Easy Street. And I just said, hey, man, I'm looking to do something that would be fun on a regular weekly basis to perform. And uh, um, they said Wednesdays would work, so I just thought that's the hump day, and I'll do something there. But, yeah, I I really just wanted it to be a place where people can express themselves. Typically, music's the easiest way for people to do that, or, that, or most, most common. Mm-hmm. But over the years, we've had different characters that have um, done things at the Hump Day Review. They've done, um, we've had someone who used to do something called Master Sock Theater. So she'd have um, sock puppets up, and then she'd have the sock puppets reenact like things from, uh, from a current movie or something, scenes. Um, we had, of course, Tim South, South of the Weather Reporter, South of the Border Weather Reporter kind of started at that point he would just he he still does that on our live on our online show where he picks some place around the world and gives you the weather from there but then also gives you some of the history of that place and then things you can do if you ever go on vacation there it's kind of funny um but yeah we've had people we've had comedians up there we've had people act out things from plays uh, poets we've had a number of poets uh, the poet leah was our poet laureate for a while, but the poet Andrew has also come up and done a lot of things. So we try to keep it open and just uh, let people do their thing, you know. So what? I mean, what what gets you there every week? You know, I mean, that's sort of like part of the reason why I started this show is wanting to talk to people who have done things that have sort of withstood change and the transient nature of this town. You know, you're certainly aware of that. It's like you yeah. get you get talent, you get people, you get creatives, and it, a lot of times they're here and they're gone. And it's like the cycle that kind of happens over and over and it's always been hard to sort of 
know what to make of that and then seeking out other people who are sort of more based here and are kind of committed to doing something that is like enriching the the scene you know what i mean and, and, yeah. and everybody has their own role within that too and i think for me it's always I feel like your role has been sort of that bridge to provide something that's consistent but also you know now moving into the black swamp and doing more stuff that's definitely grown from sort of what was just sort of you know, Tim on a Wednesday night. Well, the hump day is certainly came after the Black Swamp, my first affiliation with the Black Swamp Arts Festival. I used to, back in maybe 98 or 99, I had, you know, obviously the Black Swamp Arts Festival wasn't going for a while, but, um, so I had been familiar with it, um, but the first time I performed in it was 98 or 99. It was okay. um, a couple friends of mine. We had a three-piece band. I was the only one with the last name Con Cannon, but we called ourselves the Con Cannons, which is funny. <laughs> and um, Kelly booked us, uh, Kelly Wicks booked us a couple times for the Black Swamp Arts Festival when it was, um, there was a stage over near where Mad Hatter used to be. Um, and it's now, I think, uh, uh, the Amish Deli is kind of over there, but mm -hmm. there's a little Was it in that side alley, mm -hmm. kind of? Okay, all right. Yeah, they used okay. to book bands over there. Okay. And, um, I don't know if there was trees at the time there, but anyways, yeah. So we played a couple year back-to-back -back years there, um, and that was kind of cool. But then, just living in parts, different parts of the country, I would come back every now and then. I'd maybe catch a, a Black Swan Parts Festival. But around 2010, 2011, um, I started getting um, back into it because I had moved back into town. And at that point, uh, my friend Cole Christensen was kind of running the community stage. Um, so I started helping out with that. And the community stage is kind of a, just for people who aren't familiar with it, but it's, a, it's one of the, we have three stages at the, uh, we have three stages at the, uh, at the Black Swamp Arts Festival. One's the main stage, there's the community stage, which is kind of acoustic acts, and there's the family stages, which is a mix of things. But the community stage is uh, pretty, pretty laid back, and we used to just kind of run that stage together for two days, Saturday and Sunday. That's right. I kind of forget about that. Yeah. That was so that you were, you guys were already sort of a team mm -hmm. there sort of manning that, I think, because we played that, I believe, in that was like 2014 or something like that. Yeah. If I remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then Cole and I, about five or six years ago, we, there was a, just a transition. Um, Kelly took a different uh, direction. He wasn't doing the music anymore, so there was an opening there. So we were asked to take over for that spot. And we've been doing it for about five or six years, and it's really been fun. Um, Cole and I tend to work pretty good. Cole's really good with the details on things. Um, I uh, I have a good local presence, so I can help with the local acts quite a bit. Mm -hmm. But we both have pretty common, um, a kind of a common interest in finding a, a, a really good collection of artists who are, um, who are diverse and who have a wide background and like style and everything but who come together for a good show so we work together in a good way to do that and it's really fun working with cole and cole's yeah he's a, he's a great guy to work with yeah. like what, what have you taken from that sort of position as a musician you know how's that affected you personally you know like talk a little bit about just sort of obviously you play guitar you write your own music you know like mm -hmm. how, do you feel like it's given you some insights into how to promote yourself and even just how that world works you know i think that's sort of working with bands who are established and, and you're, you're booking bands that aren't household names right necessarily but at the same time these are working musicians who are on the road who are, are making it work mm -hmm. you know like is it is it giving you some in, insight into that like have you learned from that too outside of just how to book something you know what have you personally taken away from that yeah i i do i think um 
I think that's a way that helps us um, be a good festival for these musicians. As a musician myself, Cole's also a musician. Mm -hmm. So we both have that experience of performing. We know what it's like to get a good reception or to be feel welcome when you're getting ready to play and stuff like that. So, um, and I that think is one of the things that the swamp has always been known for is its hospitality. You know, what yes. I, mean? I think that was something when I first came here. That was something that I remember it was talked about a lot. Even the artists themselves were like, there was just the food, the hospitality, just the care, and the sort of the general like. Mm -hmm. want to make the artists feel welcome here was always a big part of the festival. Yeah, we have a really great crew that um, they, the, the guy, it's a cast of characters back there, but they put on an awesome spread of food for the musicians who come. And there's a little backstage area. And that's been consistent for many years. And Kelly was obviously, Kelly's a huge music fan and does shows, so he always made the bands feel welcome. And then when Cole and I took over, we kept that going, but it's just really fun to make sure that the bands are well cared for when they come to, to town, and uh, there's a place that they can, um, they got their own little trailers to hang out in, and then there's a little back, we cook the food, the, the guys cook the food for them. Um, yeah, so that hospitality is important because we're an all-volunteer festival. We don't have a big uh, budget. We don't sell tickets. Um, we actually have a big, a good-sized budget, but we don't sell tickets. We're really financially solvent, but um, and uh, we're able to bring in some great acts and pay them well. But outside of paying pretty well and paying on time and everything, we treat the artists really well. So I think sometimes that factor helps us get a, maybe a deal on some artists, or at least they, you know, they realize we're not trying to profit out, out of anything. So they're, yeah. you know, they're happy to come here and play. But um, um, so that's good. I, I've learned, you know, you asked what I learned about it or how it's made me a better musician. It, certainly, when you watch a lot of these acts come, you just pick up little little tidbits. And mm. we've had acts from all over the world, from all over the world, the way they interact with the audience, the way they prepare for their sets. Um, I don't think it's anything, one, one thing I'd point to, but it's just to be around that, you just start to pick up the rhythm of it and see Being immersed in that, that culture yes. and that idea, mm -hmm. you know, I think... It's something I've been trying to understand more as a musician of trying to get out of sort of the the bar mentality because it's such a, a limited aspect of what it means to be a musician. Yes. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I think it's sometimes, if I've known for any musicians to sort of stop pursuing their own stuff, it's because they get a little burned out on that and maybe not realize of how many other avenues there are to be a musician. Even sometimes not even playing. This means working with other bands and promoting, yeah. building bridges, things like that. You know, and I think... Mm -hmm. Do you, do you feel like the Swamp right now, that the festival is, has had enough success in the past to sort of take this year in sort of a different direction? Or not di a different direction, but to feel like you didn't lose a step from like being gone for a year. I mean, how, how does that really, has, has that, how has that played into preparing for this year's festival? Well, there's so many people, you know, Cole and I just do the music part of it. I mean, the festival itself is humongous. It's... Uh, just all volunteers, people who meet uh, regularly over the course of a year. That's that's the main committee. About is it like a once a month kind of thing, or how's every couple twenty weeks? people? Yeah, it is usually about once a month, okay. and then as we get closer to the festival, it starts to be a weekly thing just to make sure the details are taken care of. But there's okay. a ton of time and effort that goes in, and talent that goes into making this whole thing happen, and um, just a lot of unsung heroes who just really care about the this being uh, something in our community. So it's really, it's great to work with everyone on, on a regular basis there. But um, yeah, I mean, um, like what the, the festival itself, I think, is, has weathered this pandemic pretty well. I mean, there's definitely some bumps in the road. Uh, 
that we still don't really know that much about. But I think everyone's, you know, we've done a pretty good job of uh, staying focused on, you know, where our budget is, uh, what kind of things we're able to do or not able to do. We're being mindful of um, just the current situation. And uh, I don't, luckily we, you know, a lot of festivals got hurt because they're for-profit festivals. They've got, they sell tickets. They're, they have all these different variables. The way our festival has always been set up as a nonprofit and a volunteer-based festival, I think positioned it very well. And we're always been conservative, I think, with the way we spend money, and we're, we're pretty smart about it. Um, and, you know, then you throw some luck in there, too. We, we usually have a nice weekend. The weather's usually pretty good. Um, and we're able to, you know, people have a good time, and the artists enjoy it. And we get a lot of nice press about being a good festival. Um, so, and I think the artists feel good, the musicians feel good, the people when they come here, they, they support the artists, they buy a lot of art, and they buy a lot of um, music, and... Merchandise, yes, because that, yeah. that was our experience, like, yeah. like even that, the, the previous record we put out, we still sold more copies that, that weekend of Black Swamp than yeah. almost like the combined after still, and so, you know, it wasn't that direct, but it felt like it was... And that's big, that you helps... Get that vibe, you really get that vibe from the festival. Again, that's another reason why, obviously, bands want to come back, too, because you're like, oh, man, people bought... We sold like a dozen records, you know. We didn't yeah. just get paid, you know. There's no, it helps when support. people come out and buy. It helps give us credibility, and and yeah. and therefore bands. You know, we're not as big a name as some festivals, but they're like, okay, yeah, it's always we're always treated well. We get paid on time, and the fans buy stuff from us. I mean, what's 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 the downside? We have a good time too, and yeah. um, so that's you know, it's just a really good weekend overall. But I I don't think we missed. I mean, I really feel confident that we're gonna have a great festival this year. I don't think we missed too much I mean I, I outside of I mean I obviously a year and there was moments where people were wringing hands and trying to figure out how this was all going to work but I think we made the right obviously made the right choice not having it last year sure. but I think we're ready to get back at it this year and I think it's going to be an awesome festival so I think the main thing that like my question for this year with the festival was like how, how do you go about booking some of those bands because everyone's been sitting for so long you know what I mean that's sort of like that weird situation where it's usually like, oh, these bands are so busy. Can we get them to roll, come through Bowling Green? Where like now it's almost like all these bands have been sitting, which we by, def by default think, oh, this is going to be easy. But all those bands are probably getting hit up, but just like, you know, act over act over, you know, or mm -hmm. pitch after pitch after pitch. And like, how does that really play into how this year went? Yes, booking has been a little different uh, this year because there was a year off. And, uh, I think I mentioned earlier that the number of festivals were having difficulties with this because they're for-profit festivals and they're selling tickets and all this kind of stuff. So a number of festivals have kind of closed their doors, so um, that's hurt a little bit. Uh, just the industry in general, uh, a lot of people aren't working in the industry now that were working in it, so it is a different landscape. What about even like management and stuff too? I was wondering about that. Like, Are a lot of bands representing themselves now because I sort of think that position probably was really hurt by yeah you know COVID and things where that middleman sort of yeah what are you gonna do I mean you can't work tough. yeah exactly yeah. You know? yeah and that's one reason we feel good about um you know being able to have the festival and getting these bands back in, in action but you know it's fair to say though too that some parts of the country didn't really close down that much sure. so some bands were still kind of cooking I mean overall it's the whole industry was was very was very hard hit but and it seems so, like really the south was I mean in some ways is really the only place where it seem mm -hmm. to be it never really completely went away many ways just because of the weather you got being outdoors and stuff too obviously that, that's mm -hmm. a big part of it you know yeah so some people are still cooking but 
uh, luckily we we tend to keep pretty good relationships with um, the agents we work with mm-hmm. and the bands and, and in some cases we we always try to bring bands back because um, a few a year who have been here in the past because we feel that a they're talented and they're interesting to watch and they're they're fun you know that's the main thing is that they're going to put on a good show but um, it's nice it gives them a little extra added benefit too because they can cultivate the relationship with fans who've seen them in the past sure. so yeah. um, it's nice for someone who goes we have a lot of people that regularly attend the festival who 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 are there's tons of people who know more about the festival than I ever would just mm-hmm. and they they're great to talk to because they're like oh I remember this band came in this year and this this thing you know so there's a whole group of people who like that and so we try to cater to that as well so we have um for example elon jules coming back uh mm-hmm. this year um big sandy's coming back so we've got some uh, bands that come back that have been here before so we have relationships already with them and they know what they're getting into so they're yeah. they're an easy co- they're, it's an easy conversation they're like hey we like coming yeah this would be good for us it's been a while since we've been there so it'd be good i have noticed that as, a, as a, is that something that has, it seems like traditionally that's been part of the festival's model too, right? To kind of bring back, it's not every year, it's not like every year you see the same act, yeah, but almost yeah. like this sort of two to three years you bring him back because it's relevant, a little different lineup, but like, you know, like Bill Kirchner, I remember he sort of yep. like was one that sort of seemed to pop up. Yeah, he was great. You know, every four or five years or yeah. even something like that. So it, mm-hmm. I like that idea because again, you know what you're getting. There's always got to be that sort of roll of dice where you're sometimes booking an act and you're like, I don't know if these, if well, that does be, help. they're going to be assholes or just not even show up on time, you know, any sort of any yeah, sort of that Madonna stuff, you know what I mean? I mean Certainly, it, yeah. We, artists we, are unique people. Yeah, we like, yeah, and you get different different kinds of people. But yeah, it's obviously, we like to work with people who are easy to work with. Um, so that helps. But we, um, but yeah, so we try to, rot- you know, part of our, you know, festival, at least what the strategy Cole and I use is try to get some new ones in that mm-hmm. are kind of cool and up and coming. We always try to find some, some bands that are like that. And We've had some success with that. We're we're just kind of getting them at the, and the the history of the festival has been like that. We're just some of these bands are just kind of getting right to where they're going to be really popular, and like yeah. the, the next year you can't you know even afford them. Yeah, yeah. We've had some bands like Billy Strings and stuff like that. Yeah, that was one where yeah, just that it was like the next day, you know, sort yeah. of it sort of caught fire there with that one. And so. even before we started taking out like Trombone Shorty had played, so yeah. different uh, really cool acts have been through here. Um, so we still try to find those up and comers, and I think we've got a few this year that are going to be great. But um. So how do you how do you yeah. seek for artists in some ways? You know, I know Cole does some of the more you're more focused sort of local and regional, but you know, working with agencies is one because it kind of helps you consolidate. I'm sure you're like I like mm-hmm. this agency, but is there is it almost sort of open to anything? I mean, is it sort of just on yeah. just on the internet going through stuff and we, I hear something and I'm like, hey, this might work. You yeah, know? we and do then, a lot of that stuff. Um, we get recommendations from people all the time. Um, we mm-hmm. we try to you know, there's only two of us and it's voluntary, so we. We hope sometimes people don't get frustrated if they send us a lot of stuff and we can't really respond to every single sure. thing. It's just not practical. But yeah. we do get tips from people and they'll say, hey, check this band out. And um, so many times we get uh, recommendations um, uh, like Reverend Peyton's uh, mm-hmm. big damn band. We had a few people that are mentioned. I'm excited it. to see them. Yeah. Because I've, I've yeah. some word of mouth and I've seen them a bit and that's going to be a good Yeah, show. they're really that's cool. And idea. so we don't, we certainly don't have the market cornered on knowing everything about music. We just, we like to listen, we listen to people who, come to the festival and kind of stuff they like. And then also we just have our own taste too. So we, yeah. we look and I'll co and I routinely pass links back and forth and say, Hey, check this out. This is kind of neat. And we try to look at live stuff. So we know what we're getting. Um, um, and you know, we try to mix it up, try to get some stuff from around the world. This is a little crazier this year, getting people from out, out of There's just restrictions for travel too. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's some of we the had a band that we're trying to get that didn't work out just because of just the, the worldly nature of, 
COVID and travel and things sure. working out. But um, yeah, so we tr we always try to have an international flair. Um, uh, so, but then it just uh, and then you get lucky with some stuff. Some sometimes um, uh, an agent will be like, hey, that one band you wanted isn't here, but we got this band's kind of cool. You might want to check them out. You know, I think years ago there that happened, and it, one of my favorite bands was a product of that, Antibalis. Oh yeah, I can't remember if that was. Mm -hmm. I think that I can't remember what who yeah, it was. Yeah, we, we brought them in there. But someone yeah. couldn't work, and then and then I remember someone mentioning was like, oh, well, Antibalis would be great. Yeah, and, they're and, and they're, Pepper was like, oh, all right, they're, they're a big like band. One, yeah, they're, they're one of, like they're a, that's an established mm -hmm. you know Afrobeat band that worked with some major artists and stuff. Too. Oh yeah. That was I was actually did not see them because we'd made the mistake of booking ourselves at Howard's at the same time. Sure, okay, yeah. I had, friend, I had friends fan. who were like, "I love you guys, but I'm gonna go watch Anabolis now." Yeah, no, they um, were great, and they were really they were really nice people. Um, and they had played like they played Bonnaroo and stuff. They're big, yeah. big, big act. So, yeah, we've had. Some, I mean, it's it's really cool because you'll have a band that used to open up for uh, what was it. Uh, Carl Denson's Tiny Universe yeah. opened up for the Rolling yeah. Stones. Just, I mean, remember Ben Miller band like was like on the road with ZZ Top, I think, for a while. Yeah, which was I remember that was like I remember seeing them. I was a big fan of like that, uh, that. Yeah, and I was like, damn, that's a cool. And one. I'm pretty uh, Reverend Peyton, um, they were opening up for ZZ Top. That was one of the things okay. they were routing through really? here. So we kind of were able to work that. That's pretty um, wild. Yeah, two different bands that were opening up yeah. for ZZ Top, and sadly, yeah, their bass players All their passed bass, away. Yeah, nice we were listening to ZZ Top on the way to Cleveland this week. Just yeah, they're great. They're yeah. cool. Um, yeah, so just stuff like that happens, and you just kind of roll with it. And um, at the end of the day, we're just trying to have a good show that people can enjoy themselves and um, do you get feel, some good Do you exposure. feel free of some of the... I always wonder what it's like to book something that doesn't have ticket sales, right? Like, do you feel like that helps alleviate some of the anxieties or pressures of what your position is in some ways, too? Because it isn't... You know, in some ways, if you're like ticket sales, you have to think about how many people will this artist bring. Yeah. You, you don't have to think of that really, right? Like, oh, like, a, this artist is going to bring 5,000 people or something like that. Is that really a thought? Or you just understand that this built-in audience of the, of the festival is going to provide enough in itself? We do some analysis like that. We look at ticket sales. Like, what would this have brought if okay. we got, sold tickets? Cool. We look at what the artist is selling for at similar size venues sometimes sure. just to kind of get an idea of, like, mm -hmm. just it's just curious stuff we do. But... It is a blessing not to have to worry about ticket sales, and that's what's so amazing about the Black Swamp Arts Festival and so unique about it. That's not the case at most places. And I think sometimes it can play against us, because I think some people still think who don't live around here who might want to travel here, and we've got to do a better job of maybe getting the word out about this, they think there's a ticket involved in these shows, and they're kind of blown away. I remember when Pokey Lafarge was here uh, a few years back. Pretty cool act, and big, you know, Rolling Stone kind of act you read about, you know, and um, totally talented. But people were at calling to find out what the tickets cost. We're like, there's no cost. It's just you come. So, I mean, theoretically, it could be crazy if you get the wrong band, if you you know, hire the Rolling Stones or something, and then the, you get no, crushed. You, but No, you could almost create, like, almost yeah. like, a, like the traffic. It, like, yeah. all of a sudden, it's like, like that festival they threw outside of town years ago. I'm not sure you heard about yeah. that story, but I get them po, sure that. The Poe, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's like, wait, we can't actually... Have, Handle, handle that many people here if you know someone's playing but i so, think that's yeah so i think on some level it's good that we have a kind of a steady crowd that always comes and yeah. you don't you don't want to wish for you know things you don't know what you're talking about but uh, um no we've always so it's kind of neat and it's uh, i think i think it takes a little maybe the artist I, maybe they don't know even that the tickets are not being sold but they, don't, they always maybe have they a good don't time. Have to add. I mean, you're getting yeah, guaranteed like, money in a sense too yeah. as an artist i can also say that's such a relief because it I think when you get guaranteed money, it helps you feel more comfortable in just doing what you want. Yeah. It's not sort mm -hmm. of a, like you're performing to sell tickets. I don't know. It's a little different vibe. You know? Yeah. I, I yeah, was wondering. I've always been, I never knew how that worked with major artists too. Like say, oh, we're booking the, 
you know, the Gundarina doesn't exist anymore, but you know what I mean? But like this major band, like, do, do you, are you still getting a cut of just those sales or is like the venue itself saying, hey, we're going to like pay you this? It's a, and then probably, whenever, usually a mix. Some of that, right? Yeah. So I even heard there were bands that like were getting cuts of parking. It was like, I heard mm -hmm. a great story about the Toledo Sports Arena. I think it was like, it might have been Yes or some strange band that like yeah. used to play the Toledo Sports Arena in the 70s and they found out how they made money was getting a cut of the parking. Yeah. And they like were like, we're super rich now. Yeah. <laughs> like, That's, That's a lot of money, parking, man. <laughs> They're like, just give us like two bucks off every parking. Like, yeah. And like, we can do that. We're cool. You know, and I yeah. thought that was like a pretty funny uh it is fun. Thought, no, like but being the, resourceful about it's business, money, and you yeah. and if you if they're coming to see you, you, figure that out. Yeah, so those are a little different, and they have different kinds of you know agreements they make. But for us, we just say, hey, we're going to guarantee you, it's going to be, we're going to take care of you, treat you with uh, his, uh, with hospitality. It's going to be, we're going to you know put you on stage when we say we're going to put you on stage, and and the, and most likely people will buy a lot of your merchandise, and that's true. We do, and that's what's great about Bowling Green people coming out and supporting the, the bands like that. So. So enough talking about the Black Swan Festival, right? Uh, I kind of want to talk a little more just about you as a musician, right? This is probably, this is kind of the area that I'm sort of, I don't really know much about you really other than, I mean, I know you play guitar. <laughs> right. I've always loved your voice. Nice. Uh, we always say it's like, it would go well on bread. So it's yeah, so I like bread. Yeah. It's so buttery. Yeah. You know I mean, that's how I we like always the band bread, it. Yeah, it's like butter, you know? So uh, I'd like to know a little more, like, how did you get started playing music? How long have you been at this? And mm -hmm. sort of, is there any other, like, I mean, you play guitar and bass, but I assume you probably play some keyboards or something too. Who knows? But like, mm -hmm. yeah, what what kind of got you into this whole thing? You know, like, what? How did you get from Timmy Steele guitar to booking the Blackstone Arts Festival? There's a lot in between there. You know? Yeah, for sure. Um, as a kid, I would just sing a lot. I love singing; just really fun for me to do. Did you do any choir or things like that growing up? Yeah, I did uh, school choirs and sure. things, and um, yeah, nothing too crazy, but yeah, chorus things like that. Not in grade school. Uh, I didn't do any singing in high school that much, although. Um, that's my son. That's kind of similar for me. Like I sang yeah. until it wasn't like kind of cool anymore. Or something. I, don't know, I played sports too. I'm assuming you I did a lot of soccer. sports. Yeah, so yep. It's like that weird. Yeah. Can you be a musician and play sports at the same time? I don't know. Yeah, I come from a culture where that wasn't really a thing. I don't know if that's. No, it's that a, it was a little strange. Yeah. It, it, yeah. There's um, you just didn't ran, uh, the two didn't really uh, cross over that much. Yeah, but um, but I did listen to a lot of music and I and so that was cool and I used to like to just watch a lot of music and listen to it and I, I, I think I've always had a pretty good um, eclectic musical taste and finding neat CDs and back, back in the day tapes and things but sure. um, I had uh, I started writing songs when I found a I don't know where this guitar came from I, it might have been my dad's or something at some point my dad's musical he um, had a guitar around a few times. I remember as a kid watching him play guitar with some friends, but it wasn't regular. So it wasn't like every day, but it was just, it was yeah, there. I just you know, it was kind of, hey, I know some yeah. chords, like I'll do some yeah. kind of and stuff. My, yeah. And my parents played, had the cool record collection, so they would have, have cool stuff on. And my mom, um, you know, I, was, I remember listening listen to a lot of stuff um, while just being a kid around the house. But um, uh, so, but I found this uh, guitar in my house and it had three strings on it and I kind of messed with it and I didn't know how to tune it, so I just could mess around with it. My friends and I would, kind of do some stuff and hung out with some guys that like to write poetry and things in high school and um, I've always liked reading and writing poetry and things so I write lyrics and um, eventually got to college and uh, another uh, f a friend of mine who I met through playing soccer at Bowling Green, Bob Boyle, he uh, he liked music quite a bit too and he was a guitarist and so he's like, hey, you know, you're telling me about this guitar you have, you should just bring it up here and I'll put some six strings on and I'll show you the chords. Sure. <laughs> so he pretty much did that and um, and so we started writing songs together and did some 
kind of like after hours parties things and it was kind of fun i think at one point i had i was playing a tin whistle or something i just, I just like <laughs> irish music too because my name's <laughs> irish but um yeah so it kind of went from there and then i think he's in 94 my friend matt winterman's like uh he was a bartender at um at easy street and we used to go to concerts and stuff together but he's like hey man you, you should just come up and play at open mic night at easy street so he so he just signed me up one night he's like you're coming i don't care you're just gonna come up so i'm like all right i'll come come do it and and that was really fun and i think uh i think the first money i ever the first money i ever made playing music was uh, i think when um this is kind of random i think it was when uh now Stone Store's there, but it used to be a BW3s. It was, it was a BW3s. I, yeah. I think I got a gig <laughs> playing at BW3s. <laughs> I'm like, this is weird. But yeah, I played some mu money and made some money there. And then uh, my friend Julie Broadwell hired me a few times, or not hired me, but just welcomed me or, or invited me to play some of her benefits that she was doing in town. And mm. so I've always, that kind of plays into the hump day a little bit. Just the. It does. I mean, it sort of makes sense now more of like why you do a sort of an open mic yeah. too, because that is you were sort of that's kind of where you got your start. It's kind of given, yeah, yeah, or at least found a place to like, oh, I can do it in front of people in a different way and sort of yeah, we take it a little more serious than just sort of playing some stuff at a party or something, you know? Yeah, I, I think it's well, that's the the hump is about kind of giving back um, for whatever reason, whatever I've done in my life, whether it's teaching or coaching or. Uh, it's usually about giving back. I just have a something that I like about that. Yeah. And I like it when I can help someone who might feel like they don't have a place to do something, go out and play, you know? Yeah. So we have a nice variety at the hump day and just um, people in general I've met who have a, it's a total spectrum of talent and, and styles and things. And so we've got some beginners who come up and try things out and they're kind of nervous and they're just kind of getting over whatever they're getting over, like in terms of being sure. out in front of people. Yeah. And then you get some people who are really seasoned at it or good at it mm -hmm. and they just want to come out and just kind of keep their their chops up and they just yeah. want to try something new. A lot of people come out and try new stuff at Hump Day, but the Hump Day's also got a thing where we used to do these, we haven't done them in a while, but th we used to do hump raisers. So we raise money for various causes around town. So I like... I like that about music, how it can be a community thing. That's where Black Swamp makes sense. A lot of the booking I do for like Farmer's Market and Downtown BG Live, it's just, to me, it just in sharing that ability to connect with all the artists and get them on stage and um, in front of people, it, I think it makes the community a better place. For me, it's just a little bit selfish because I like music, I like live music. So sure. the more I can get people doing it. Well, I mean, that's me and some that's the reason why I want to do this show too, because I felt like, we all have a different role in like what we can do to help like facilitate that community and that idea and also yeah. provide a place to be an artist and do stuff. I mean, Bowling Green, there's a point, you know, where it feels like there's a sort of a, an empty space here between just not as much going on as in the past. Let's like perspective wise, you know, I've been here since 2001, mm -hmm. didn't even start even getting the music until 2005 probably. So where, where do you see the like Bowling Green at now relative to the past of like, where's the scene? Like I, it almost feels like right now there's like not even that many artists, you know, it's sort yeah. of like who's left. Well, know? and that's, is that more of a product I don't know that, of the times? Or I mean, there's, there are people active, but it seems like, no, I think there's actually a lot, but it's just, a, it depends on what, you know, I think everyone's, there's a lot of artists doing music. It just depends on where they are in that, that whole environment of music. Like a working musician to me is different than, yeah. like you see, there's been a, a, a sort of a, a, not a resurgence, but like an emergence of sort of the just people making music, right? Which is an ex which is one aspect of it. Like I wrote a song, I do this, but the 
like the real like working musician who's out playing shows. Yeah. It's an extension of their job, but it's still their thing. It's like trying to find like how many of those are out there now. Cause even like in the, it seemed like like cover bands, things like that. Yeah. That's its own thing, but trying to find like, like people active making local, new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like local active musicians. Like it feels like there's some really talented stuff right now, but do you feel like it's it maybe more, you feel like more or less, you know, cause I feel like it's the idea of like, it used to be you go downtown, there might be like four bands playing a night or something. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that my off on there? Or am I just sort of no, I giving mean, some nostalgic, nostalgic time to like the mid nineties, you know, when, Mid '90s, there was a lot of bands playing, and we had there was a lot in town actually still playing and coming up with cool stuff. Like Nate Wallace would have something, Howard's would have something, Easy Street would have something. Yeah, you know, there's probably mm-hmm. another spot. It just seems like there was. What was it about that time? Do you think that fed into that more? Do you think? Well, I think that was pre like that was pre Napster and you know online music and things like now. Or pre Netflix too, in a sense of like mm-hmm. it's still tough to get people to come out because they just got distractions. You know, it's tough. Yeah. To be like, hey, come watch me perform, or you can watch any movie you've ever wanted to watch ever right now <laughs> yeah and that's tricky you know, that's yep. sometimes. yeah and i just i um i've always just i always feel that the live music is just sounds feels great and it's awesome but a lot of people don't understand it and yeah. um the younger kids there's plenty of kids who do the younger generation they they, they do want it and they understand it appreciate it some of it is they need to be exposed to it and that's the thing you need, yeah. you need people who are in those generational positions to, to kind of be that bridge to not expect yeah, younger generations to just know that or something. So you know I like, I mean? like yeah, that's, that's that's tricky. Sometimes. Like I like that we're doing the downtown BG live. I like the farmers market. Um, I just like uh, when there's a mass amount of people that normally don't go out of clubs or get their music that way yeah. to realize that there's stuff going on in Bowling Green that's kind of cool. And um, like downtown BG live, I remember a couple of weeks ago, Drew Joseph had just kind of put a collection of friends together and they were coming up with some organic jam stuff on the stage and they're clearly just improvising and I was just thinking to myself this would be this this is quality stuff that I would see I would be cool to see this in any city in America or in the world for that matter if I'm just walking around and I I just stumble on a parking lot with a bunch of people in it creating music which with even the sparse crowd just kind of watching I'd be I I would have put what he was doing up against anything I've seen around I've traveled pretty extensively around the country and stuff and even in different parts of the world but I would put that up against anything I've seen. It was cool. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in Bowling Green don't realize we have that right here. We have a lot of really good musicians and artists. But a lot of times we end up playing late at night and they don't see us. They're not able to come out. But a lot of yeah. people, even at the hump day, I mean, one of the reasons I have the hump day is to keep my chops good. And I'm, a lot of people, they come to the hump day, they don't even know I usually open the show. I play a few songs at the start. Sure. And yeah. a lot of them are blown away. They're like, they'll see me. If they'll be coming to the hump day review for years, but they come maybe later in the night and they don't even realize I play music. So it's really funny. Um, <laughs> Like, I don't know, you played music. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, 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 at the hump day, I'm trying to encourage other people to do it. So sure. I, you don't see me doing it that much. But um, it's funny that just to give a lot of people the ability to see that there's um, people being creative with music and to know that there's, you know, they're right here in your backyard. It's kind of cool. It's hard because I think that's like, I think that's been a frustration for us as a band, I think, is over the last, you know, three to four years, it was really hard to ever see us play mm-hmm. before 10 o'clock, right? And, and, yeah. and in our retrospect, because I can even test it, like, hey, Tim, we're playing tonight. And you're like, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Like, oh, if we're going on at 12, I'm like, I ain't going to send that text. Like, no way, you know what I mean? I wouldn't yeah. be up that I late. I mean, I, and I, I'm kind of crazy. I would come out sometimes for that, but some people can't, yeah. you know, and um, they're just asleep or whatever. So know? trying to change that, I think, is still a big part of 
it's not so much that people don't want to experience live music. Mm-hmm. I think they just don't want to be out late and around drunk people at the same time. Now, some yeah. people, not to say that's wrong or there's something wrong yeah. with that, but that's just sort of, for some reason, I think culturally we all think that's just what live music is. No, yeah. You know, no, unless Orbitz or, or just some jazz stuff or like yeah. stuff your parents listen to and you're like, well, no, actually like really creative and, and sort of relevant music now can be, Experienced at five o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, well, we've, we've had great. success like, with that even. Yeah, with BG like, downtown BG Live, I'm sure. I was out of town for the last Trina Leaves one you guys did, but I know you p- p- kind of put the stage in a different spot, and I'm sure people were walking by going, "Who?" I'm sure you had plenty of people there because of your band who knew you and stuff. But a lot I'm of sure it was, was just activity, right? I and mean, there was yeah. an older couple there who were in their 80s. I'm probably yeah. being even. Gen- I mean, they might have been in their 90s, right? Mm-hmm. And you could tell like it was a big deal for them just to experience it, and they were there the whole time. And I think. Yeah. For me, that's when it's an eye-opening experience, and it's like that's why I'm thankful that you give the opportunity because sometimes bands don't realize how much more people would be into what they do yeah. just by changing up where, where, when they do it. Now, yeah. It's different if you're profane and you're screaming and you're trying to like there's well, certain types of music that don't always translate to that. Well, someone, yeah, you um, have to get someone to want to go out to see that directly. But no, I think for the most part, and that's why I kind of that's why I booked the different kinds of bands I booked. Well, I think that aspect of moving it earlier has still been a that's like the success of like the ground show, right? You know, you have ground yeah. here in town and sort yeah. of you see, you come in there and the place is packed, right? So yeah. it's almost like, it's almost like disorienting. You're like, why is like, there's like a hundred people here and it's like, you know, seven o'clock. And I don't know what really changed. I think in many ways it's just because the model of being a musician was that you're sort of there just to sell alcohol. I mean, that has to be, that's really the only reason that you'd play that late. You know, and that, that's sort of, a lot that's, of clubs, yeah. that's mm-hmm. sort of what it is. Right. You mm-hmm. know, and even concerts themselves usually traditionally don't go that late. Um, but I think in some ways that's what was tough for me and almost like stopped me from performing was like, how do you, I can't do this anymore. Like being out, it's a lot of work coming home at four in the morning. You're like at the time there's like no one there and you, Mm -hmm. plus you got to show up early and then wait it out for seven hours before you play or something. It's just like the worst kind of space, you know? And I think trying to change that idea of just what's where music can be played. So that's like, let's talk a little bit more about like Bowling Green and like the venues that are here and sort of what's possible with the space. I think the BG down, the downtown BG live thing for me was, it's almost humorous that like you just a parking lot and everyone's like, well, who owns yeah. it? Right. You know, like, yeah. Craft owns it. So you're like, Oh, well, sure. Use it. That's fine. It's like how many other places in town could be used in that fashion. And even this like venue wise, I mean, where do you, do you, what venues right now do you feel like are the most important to Bowling Green? Yeah. Well, you know, it's really, um, it's really, it's great that the parking, lot was donated because it makes it easier it's just we can just hey and, and the black swan parts festival donated us the use of the stage so yeah. um uh so and then you know downtown bgsid they did the signage and stuff so it's it's been good um so that's a good place to hang out but uh in addition to that all the, a lot of people are putting stuff out arlen's um Good beers, having a lot of shows. Yep. Um, they were doing stuff outside. They they kind of ran into a, some technicalities there, and they're, I think they're sorting that out. But uh, they're definitely doing shows inside now, and yeah. I think they're great. I saw um, maybe uh, we a couple shows there. I think in the fall, and so yeah. it's, it's a great space. Again, it's, it's great. like like that's what I mean, it gets me excited about this town because I think that's maybe what could save this town music wise. It's just yeah. not think, thinking outside of the box of where. So Arlen's is great. It yeah, it can be there. Um, it's like, oh, there's not a lot of people at Howard's, and I guess the music scene's done. Well, maybe let's try other things. Not, yeah, but Howard's is, uh, Howard's Howard's is still great working, too. But it's yeah. like, it can't be the only thing. No, Howard's you know? is great too. Um, Howard's and Steve redid re- the stage, and it's beautiful in there now. Um, and that's just a that's the quintessential place in town. Historically, it's been sure. the place, and I, I always love Howard's. Um, uh, 
So that's always great. Juniper is starting to do music now. Um, what about the Clazelle? Like, I've heard some things in the sense of like that's always been such a tricky place for this town to try to understand that space. Yeah. It almost seems like this should be this incredible sort of music venue, but I most of the time it's like sound issues and even just the space. I never really. Yeah, felt I've right. seen some cool stuff in there, and I've done did, did a wedding one time in mm -hmm. there. It was cool, but um, the yeah. I think I haven't met the new owner yet, but um, they're trying some stuff. They're they've keep some interesting hours. I think the only thing I saw going on was maybe some karaoke recently, which is karaoke oh, is really? kind of fun too. But <laughs> um, I know Grumpy Dave's is every now and then will have some stuff. They're not as consistent as they were. And they're doing they're yeah. doing comedy night too, which comedy I think night's cool. That's yeah. still part of that yeah. ex mm -hmm. extension. Live, you know what I mean? live yeah. entertainment, yeah. Um, Juniper's like I mentioned, Juniper's doing stuff. Um, uh, I've got. Timmy seeing the Game Changers playing there on Thursday nights was just a kind of a cool thing. And that's earlier too, 6.30, 8.30. Um, and then we're getting stuff on the weekends there too. But um, Stone Star hasn't done anything on the weekends for a while. I think Nate and Wally's probably has got some stuff going, but I'm not sure. It's what. always been, yeah, yeah. it's strange. Nate, like the Nate and Wally's venue used to be sort yeah. of a, it was a, mm -hmm. it was a really a Friday, Saturday night spot, mm -hmm. Thursday, Friday. Yeah. So, but that was played into like, you almost had to have that college crowd that played into that. And I think as that's yeah. changed over the years, I've certainly noticed that the college crowd doesn't necessarily migrate to like the live music scene as, as no, it used to right they've all been raised on uh internet music you know it's really it no it's like hey you got a bluetooth someone just throw on your ipad you know, yeah. or your phone and you're good to go you know and i think yeah sometimes it frustrates me he's like you guys don't know if like there's a different energy when there's people making this live stuff yeah know? and it's and, but yeah. there are some house scenes in town i can attest to that like that's where the the younger scene has moved to in many ways is sort of mm -hmm. the house venue the diy the garage some of that which yeah. has always existed in sort of the underbelly of music yeah. but I think it seems like it's, the college cool stuff, like the colleges are almost like afraid to go to the clubs now or something like it's like well it's, they can't all get it they can't always get into them you know I mean yeah uh, I mean, that's, that's, that's one yeah. great thing about Howard's is like I think mm -hmm. when Steve renovated that place it changed that perception of what that spot was mm -hmm. I think that idea of that grimy kind of hole in the wall thing is like it's not yeah not a lot of us have sort of a great memory of that like oh that sounds great let me do that tonight it's like i just want to have a place where i can go to the bathroom and <laughs> yeah not be terrified you know uh but i think howard's <laughs> has really made itself more to be that space where other music can play there too and so even outside of traditional songwriters or rock bands you know so yeah what about anything possible in this area relative to like big band stuff and things like that larger scale i mean there's like the concert in the park sort of in the city park there's not really a space for that that yeah, I'm aware of you know, sort of outside the university, maybe. Yeah, the the city park did a pretty cool thing with that new renovation. They redid the Girl Scout shelter, I think it was, or I don't know. They put a big building over there. I forget what it's called, but mm -hmm. um, Joe Baker Band was over there, and they were they were supposed to play outside for the, one of their Sunday shows, um, but it was going to rain, so they put them inside. It's kind of a neat little auditorium space that you can actually have. Uh, is that the new? Space. Is that the new building? It's the new building. Yeah, yeah, okay. I didn't realize it was so. It's like a stage in there, and it's really? pretty cool. Okay, it's like a big right. area. Yeah, so yeah. that's kind of neat. Um, but, yeah, uh, and there's, like, you know, outside of BG, there's little venues. Like, it seems like every brewery's got something going on or something, you know, things like that. But, um, I mean, I think there's a lot. There's definitely a lot of music that people, you just got to look around for it a little bit, and sometimes it's hard to find it, but it's out there. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for this town is always it does need certain individuals who have to kind of do some of the work to – bring music here and facilitate it right? can't just happen naturally right i think yeah. it's sort of so you know people like yourself i kind of throw myself in there too kelly wicks in the past in some ways oh yeah kelly's big time there's always like 
there is something about needing a, a coalition of people who are booking and bringing artists here to kind of help Bowling Green get on the map again. Because I think yeah. it is sort of, it is a music town, you know, I think. Yeah, and, I, and as you know, I've been working with some friends on this Augvents, and you've been involved in it uh, as well. And the Augvents idea is it's a technology that's helping to book music and then also make people aware of, of smaller venues, because that's the it's the area that a lot of people don't know about that when there's music going on. I mean, to me, that's that's why Augvents made sense. You know, you know, it's been sort of our sponsor. You know, I've talked about it a little yeah. bit here and there, but I think that's the focus of why I liked it because it wasn't big name acts don't have issues getting the name out. You know, mm -hmm. I hear about you know. Chris Stapleton coming to the Huntington through my Spotify ads. You sure. know, I mean, there's like there's certain money and resources there, but I think you find out how many bands and artists just don't have that resource and or yeah. the ability to take a risk on spending a thousand dollars to hope people come to your show and think something augments this makes it more local. Again, it's like even now when I see a lot of bands playing, like not a lot of them are on the road. Yeah. They're just like yeah. doubling down on the home base. You know that whole idea and like, but how do you make that work? You got to have some sort of technology or device to sort of figure that out and yeah. make it accessible so we're what's going on around you right now that's the whole idea of augments and, the, and that the idea there too is that the music industry will will fizzle out if it doesn't have new and up and coming live acts yeah. because because um, we're again if you, if you can't monetarily survive this because mm -hmm. even selling records now isn't even the model and if you're like doing things to not incentivize people to go to live shows it's sort of like it, it does get scary that you can almost yeah. have some sort of weird time where there's like no artists left you know it sounds sort of scary well, you, but it's like yeah. it's, it's almost true you know i think the the money is in live music it's yeah. if if there's a model for for uh making money in music it's live shows because you can sell merchandise and you can yeah. sell auxiliary things around the show itself and it's workable too you can see it. i'm sweating in front of you like even our last show like mm -hmm. people like when they paid 15 dollars to get in it's like that just to get my cd i, I understand but when you see me sweating and breathing i'm working in front of you there's just something unique well, about that you know and I, yeah. you start to forget about what it takes to do something live and perform and it's an experience know? people are um in this current time these current times people are more into experiences so they're willing to to pay for the experience they're willing to buy the experience so they have the memory and they have yeah. that feeling of being there and be part of something and that's what live shows do um so we really got to take care of the live show. And that's, yeah, so Augments is kind of devoted to doing that. And so looking forward down the road that you will have these bands. Otherwise, if there's nothing there, no one will start making music, you know. You'll have less bands trying to be the next, I keep saying the Rolling Stones, but who's going to be the next Rolling Stones? So let's talk a little bit like like the future of music, right? I think part mm -hmm. of me, what I like about Augments is like, it does seem like it's trying to address the change, right? It's sort of, it's, it is addressing the now, but it's also, I feel like Augments is seeing how the future is going to progress more into maybe more, one, bands who book themselves, mm -hmm. artists who kind of do everything themselves. Not to say that the agency or the booker is a lost job or something, but I think as a whole, you're going to find more people are capable of doing their own thing, booking their own shows, and even other venues having the ability to like find artists. Do you think, yeah. do you think that's where music's moving more so out of that sort of, because to me, I always had this idea of the 70s. It's like to be a su successful musician, you got to play arenas, you're going to go on the road, mm -hmm. and then like you get, you get rich and famous or whatever, and you get the, you know, the yacht and the, the mansion, right? I, I don't like really know if that exists anymore. Yeah. I really don't. I just don't know. I think the people that are doing that are like tech giants and people moving stocks. You know, they're not people writing rock songs, you know? And I think. Yeah. Do you think Augvents addresses that, right? Because it isn't. Well, Augvents, I think the idea with Augvents. And Augvents is, you know, keeps changing a little bit. Sure. But the general idea is to 
bad community. So, because um, that was the start of it. If I'm, uh, mm-hmm. in, in the, it was really it was about community events. It wasn't just like, hey, we want to help out bands. It was well, like, hey, we want people to know what's going on around them. Yeah, music can be sort of the the middle or the the starting yeah, that, point, but it wasn't. It could have been sort of anything, almost just a gathering, if I remember that. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry Wicks came up with the idea that you could use augmented reality to find things around you quick, and then he's got, you know, he's been working in that space for a while, so we mm-hmm. just find locating things and um, across, you know, coordinates on a map and things. So that's the cool technology he's got that he created, and then he asked me to work with him a little bit, and I just, in um, looking into Y Combinator and some other stuff, uh, figured that to make the business plan, we'd have to f- start with something we know about and just kind of have a niche area we're working and solve a problem, solve a business problem. So I had thought about, you know, music and community and things like that. One of the things that is important when you're, at least we read about is uh, starting, a, doing a startup is think about changing the world in a positive way. Don't think about making money or anything because that's really not, and even as musicians, I mean, the, People do make money, but the that's average the, musician, can't be the start. Yeah, the you're, not, you're not going, hey, yeah. man, I'm pretty broke. You know what I'm going to do? Start a band. You're exactly. like, yeah, good luck. Yeah, you, right. You're kind of an idiot. If that's yeah. And that's what's funny about me. I'm mean, a musician, <laughs> coach, teacher. I, clearly, I'm not trying to make billions of dollars. But what I did do a lot of, and I is time-consuming and could be more um, economically sound if we straightened out some of the, the inefficiencies, is booking bands. And, yeah. and the reason you want to have bands in the first place you want to bring people together you want to have them come out so the quality of life if you can get a lot of people supporting cr- people being creative to make music is just better in a town yeah. I mean it just stands to reason if you on a regular basis can go out and watch people being creative there is some like real data that shows this oh that's true it does no it yeah. really does yeah it's yeah. not just sort of like There's a good thing to say but it's a study it really is yeah, yeah like life quality of life longevity of yeah. living um, y- you definitely have a better just a better existence if you've got communities where you can go out on a regular basis and see bands and then interact with people. We're social beings. Uh, it's like Ann Arbor is like, I know right now I think is considered to be the highest quality of life like in the country. Okay. And I think if you think about that from outside, you, that would be strange. You wouldn't think that way. Like the weather's not really great. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not necessarily some utopian economy there or something it's expensive to live there i know but that's probably just because people want to live there mm-hmm. and i think that was it's related to that quality of life thing that people are even willing to pay more to live because they understand yeah that the fact that i can walk down the street and see have all these options to like see a book get a cup of coffee see a show see some art it just it, it enriches your life and it, yeah and especially when it's like in the same neighborhood you don't have to travel to the cities to get that feeling yeah, so and Augvents is that's designed to just help you kind of create that in your own little place, you know. So we've always that's why Augvents is kind of focused on the smaller venues. Um, just to hey, let's get some creative people in here that are making music, mm-hmm. let's get some people in here to support them, and in the, in the process, um, we could probably have, make some money, you know, and, and help the help the establishment make money. That's the thing, too, because if you don't help the local uh, venues make money, they'll go away yeah. and they'll disappear, and you'll have more of a corporate scene going on um a lot i mean i remember some of the research we did was in um looking at it i think it was in london the some of the local pubs were getting squeezed out by uh high higher cost of living and and the gentrification of of neighborhoods so they were it was they were having trouble staying afloat um this kind of stuff is designed so you know if you have a small venue owner and you want to have music you don't have the idea is that you don't have to spend so much time trying to get that music together 
trying to deal with and same thing with artists they're trying to if they're just trying to spend their time on writing new music and being creative they don't want to spend a, a lion's share of their day looking for gigs and trying to promote themselves that way so the augments technology is designed to make it real easy for a venue and a band to get together and book an act quickly and then to promote it to a lot of people who want to see music quickly yeah. And that's really the general gist of it. I mean, I to me, I, I see the merit in that because I can attest personally, like there is far too many days where I have spent more time doing those things than just sitting at the piano and playing, right? Yeah. That's mm -hmm. so common, right? And I can't, I'm sure I'm not the only one and understand, mm -hmm. not that, that there's a balance there, but they have certain technologies that can at least eliminate some of that just in theory wasted time, right? Or just because you're just digging through the, yeah. the vast wasteland. Or you know, of just I don't know, maybe, maybe not a total waste of time because you're getting somewhere, but it, it's, it's not, not a total time, waste. But there are it, not those, time well like, spent. It's like yeah. the incremental stuff that like just circling through things and just like where can I find this email? You know, like I, I can test it, like just digging through websites to find an email that would get me close enough to someone to book yeah. there, right? Whereas opposed to having something that's just like this is a venue, this is exactly who you contact to book shows there. Yeah, yeah and with augments when it's we're still in developing the, the whole thing. We right now we've got the part where we can show an event, but sure. the idea is that the venue owner or the venue manager, she or he can they can look on augments and go through a whole um, variety of bands, look at them real easily, and mm -hmm. send out invitations or whatever. Um, and the bands can be found that way too easily, and they can interact with the venues. That, and then, in some ways, that's how that works with the swamp too, right? And so I'm like, you guys have a relative budget to work with. And so you probably have to look within sort of some constraints to say, well, yeah. we need an artist for this amount. Our headliner is going to cost us this sort of, it can vary, but you always have to sort of, I feel like you're just look going from nothing. It almost be so hard to figure that out where at least you have some, like here's a tier, yeah. like tiers almost. And I think that would work, make more sense too within the augments of tiers, right? You know? Yeah. Hey, I know would, I got, yeah. I got a hundred bucks a night. That's all I can pay. Yeah. Here are the artists that would work, usually traditionally probably solo mm -hmm. act, maybe something or like, oh, yeah, I got, or just oh, up I got 400 a night because yeah. we have a built-in audience. Well, what, what does that give me? Here are the artists that can fit into that realm. You know, I think. Yeah. Or I have nothing going on tonight. I didn't have anything booked. So yeah, 100 is better than sitting at home looking yeah, at Yeah, or if it's even yeah. a band who's coming through who just has it off night mm -hmm. and they see, hey, we could swing by and just play this coffee house for 100 bucks. We've got fed and we're, we're yeah. moving in the right direction. It's, you know what I mean? We're not going south. We're going west because that's where our next gig is too, you know? Yeah. I know Grounds for Thought in some ways built that model of trying to get artists coming through during the week mm -hmm. in between because Bowling Green really is that sweet spot between Cleveland and Chicago and mm -hmm. Detroit. And all yeah, it's routing. It's a, it is, you know. Strategy with routing, yeah. And that's always been sort of like the, the hidden possibilities of this area that people don't think about as much as that we are in this hub of accesses to like almost every major city with like well, it's like a four-hour radius. It's actually substantial. Yeah, and the other thing, too, with augments, too, is down the road, once we get people using it, is that people will, I, in my opinion, I think I could get 20 people together who live in town and would, would, would want to put up some money to have a really good band in town. They mm -hmm. just don't know how to go about it. Yeah. So if I said, well, this band, you know, if we can connect an augments and this band's willing to come here for this amount of money, can I get 20 augments people to pledge this amount of money to guarantee the pre-ticket pre sales that wherever venues are going to be at, they're going to come? And that kind of stuff that takes a lot of pressure. You were talking about that earlier about selling tickets. Um, we were talking about bigger venues. But even smaller venues here, can't they can't make a commitment to a band because they don't know. Like if, if I put out $1,000 for this band and no one comes, um, that's not good business. Yeah, no, I, I can't pay my employees that week yeah. or something, right? That's a dumb move. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? But if you, like if you put the, the feeler out on augments and say, all right, you guys follow regular. This, I'm thinking about getting this band in here, and I just need to make sure that 
people can do some pre-ticket sales or something like that and make sure you're going to be here. Would you guys be up for that? You know, that kind of stuff. So it's just a, it's just a better uh, community communication. And there's obviously strength in community because people can all chip in and do their thing. And th the biggest thing about um, live music, the thing that makes it work, is a lot of people come into it. So it's really the only way. It's the only way it works, yeah, right? Then, I mean, that's yeah. the whole point, really. I mean, that's sort of music's communal aspect is really is probably that's why it started. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't think music, the origin of music was like a guy, a caveman who was like depressed and he just like, I got to get this out. You know, it was a right, way to bring right. whatever yeah. it was together, that community, that sense of space to do something together. And if it's not playing the instruments together, it's at least experiencing those sounds. Yeah. And then sharing stories and culture. As a musician and you know we started Trino Leaves you know it's almost 12 years now right and I think initially when I started this band it was really just my at the time it was my wife and I just doing sort of ambient looping super self-indulgent no consideration to like sharing this with people mm -hmm. or like performing it really it was just sort of this very personal thing and I think I loved that about music for a while but it started to be, it became this sort of lonely place actually when you started even when we performed it was never about connecting to the audience it was just like, we did this thing, mm -hmm. we're going to do it in front of you, and then that was kind of it. And I, I, there's parts of me that appreciate that and sort of understand that aspect of music and art. But I think what I've understood, my progression now, what we do musically, is understanding that relationship between building community with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And it can't just be this one sort of self-indulgent thing that just, I just do this and you're going to like it or not, and I'm good to go. Like that's a, I just personally didn't move in that direction. I think... What I want to kind of ask you is, do you think that that connection as an art, what's more important, like the song or the ability to connect that song to an audience or a member? I think this is like something, it's very, this is kind of a deep question, mm -hmm. sort of like, and even understanding like who to book or how, who to bring in. Is Because I've, I've booked some bands sometimes where like the music's great, but they're just, the live thing didn't really correlate. Mm -hmm. But then you have other bands who are like, you listen to the record and you're like, this is terrible. But then you see them play and you're like, God, that was really good. Mm -hmm. Like they had, had an experience, you know what I mean? And so yeah, I think when I try to look at the future of music and like, do you think, like, what do you feel is more important there? Like, this is personal for you. I mean, because I think a big part of what I've seen with you develop as a musician is a, a bit of like, a, you write from a personal space, but I always feel like you're trying to connect to the audience. Like, what do you think? Yeah, I am. Do you think that's part of what maybe is getting lost in music sometimes too? Why people aren't as into like going to live shows? Because even older, I think of older bands, like there's like big funk bands. There's like 12 people. Everyone's like, holy crap, this is a party, you know? I like, mm -hmm. as opposed to like a lot of bands now, it's like it's like two people who are super sad and just making music, you know? Like, yeah. What do, you, what do you think that is? You know? Well, no, the uh, I agree that the whole thing is about your putting your soul out there your soul and I don't mean that in a religious sense I just it's a it's a feeling you can tell if someone's being authentic and they're trying to express themselves in a way that is meant to help people who don't typically express themselves in music it it helps them to feel like they're expressing themselves so if you're not musical you might like to sing here and there but maybe you're not that good at it or maybe you don't know how to you like the sound of a violin but you don't know how to do it mm -hmm. play it so you go to listen to that and you go to experience the music that way and when I perform I just think okay I can sing I'm a pretty good singer I can play my guitar I, I, I have a pretty good song selection but I want to put 
everything I have into what I'm doing so that people can feel that, all right, Tim's had a long week. He's been doing all this stuff. He's got all these vibrations and stresses and things that are going on in his life, but he's going to tighten it up and just put it out there, put out who he is in a song or whatever it is. And if you do that, I think authentically, and I think this is true in art too. Um, my wife carries an artist. Uh, if you put it out there authentically and you s try to just um, express yourself in a way that is open to people kind of joining you on that, I think that works. And that's what people, they're like, want to get into. I played a song last night. It wasn't my song. It was Summertime, the Porgy and Bess song. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I love your version of that, though. Thanks. Yeah. But I did a different, I kind of do it differently each time. And I did a kind of a slow version last night. I was playing at my friend's um, bar, The Lab, in uh, Tiffin. It's a brewery, actually. But... I stopped playing, and I right at t you know I was done at eleven, and I'm like, there's a few people in there, and I'm like, I just feel like playing summertime for some reason. So I, I just kind of took a quick break, and then I just like, I said, guys, if you don't mind, I'm just gonna play one more song, and I just felt because I, I felt like I needed to play summertime, yeah. so I played it, and this little table, they were just told, they stopped everything, and they were just locked and loaded on it, and then they were just like, that was the fa that was my favorite song of the night. Thanks for playing it, you know, That's and I was like, idea. cool. I just felt like playing it, you know. I don't know what it was, so. You have to just listen to your soul, what's inside you. I, I fancy myself, my title for the Hump Day Review is the Chief Soul Officer. And I think it's, in, in some way, it'd be cool if more companies had a Chief Soul Officer. In other words, like, are we doing things that are authentic, that are trying to help people, that are trying to make people, uh, is the world a better place? Mm -hmm. And you know, I have this idea of this guy walking around with a soul meter that, like, when we're to come up with an idea, is there any soul in this idea? Is there anything that's cool that's going to help yeah. everybody? But I think if you put that out there, people will connect with it because that's what makes us common. We're all, you know, we're human, which we all have stresses. We all have different things we're trying to get through. But obviously, if someone comes out to hear music, they want to, they want to, you know, feel something or, you know. You know, I like the soul thing. That's interesting you bring that up because I think for me, we even changed what we call our, what we do to psychedelic rock and soul, right? Mm. I did that. It sounded good. But part of me felt like that was what was always missing and what I was trying to personally convey was because that's what I'm drawn to. Like soul music to me is still like, that's it. I don't know. Like there's a lot of ways to get there. But I think even when I say soul, it can be, yeah, like like your soul, your religious music. But there is something in that. Yeah. It's like, I don't know what it is. I think it's authenticity. It's really hard to be a bullshit soul artist or to mm -hmm. fake that. You, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I don't think James Brown was faking it. You know what I mean? Like that guy was just, that's just who he was. And I, I think there's something yeah. that he created there, an authenticity that I'm still drawn to. In yeah, your soul is like your identity. As long as you're connecting, like concentrating so much into who you are and sharing it, then that. Like that's soul music, yeah. right? It doesn't, it can be, I mean, when I listen to Loretta Lynn, I think Loretta Lynn's yeah. got soul. It doesn't have Con to be yeah, that, to me, that country genre. Exactly, it's just yeah. the, what's coming out of the music. If I yeah. hear great classical music performance, I'm like, there's soul. that was soulful. Because yeah. the label sometimes soul is like, oh, you're doing like vocal run. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Like, no, that's not to say what soul no. to me is. It's, it's about pure and you're in you the moment. It. It's pure. It's an extension of who you are. And I think that's like, yeah. In some ways, I think that's like what you seek more in anything is authenticity in music. It's hard. And even authenticity in how to promote yourself. That's something that I've um, been trying to work with other artists even and help promote them is like, I don't know how to promote myself and make it feel authentic, that it doesn't feel as though I'm putting up a certain facade mm -hmm. or something that's more than I am. You know, and I think there's something that I like about trying to figure that out for other people too as musicians because I think yeah. that's tricky, you know, to feel comfortable in yourself and... I think that's what I've been trying to do 
with music now is like try to connect with myself more but figure out a way to, to emote that to the crowd in the audience and I realize it's not something that any age people can get it. I think that's one thing too if you're if you're an honest musician I think any age can get that's it. That's true. Mm-hmm. A kid to like the oldest person there if you're being honest I think they get it mm-hmm. and I, I, I do really respect it's, that about musicians now. Yeah it's, it's attitudes. Like yeah. Confidence is part of that mm-hmm. you know but so I think that's about it man I think uh, I kind of yeah, like the cool. that was a nice ending on that one sort yeah. of uh but yeah, thanks for coming out. I think Thank you. again, big part of the show is just having conversations to learn and to hopefully support each other in what we're both trying to do. Because yeah. there's crossovers between where what we're trying to do and everyone else that I've really talked to in the show about. It's like we're all in this thing together, really. Yeah, and for sure. And it's competition, but it's like competition in a, in a, in a good way. It's yeah. like friendly competition. And I always tell people, like, take that competition and turn it inward. I think that's like there's some Bruce Lee quote or something that's about, like, you know, you be competitive, but but do it against yourself, not others. Because yeah. if you're competitive against others, you're gonna find ways to try to bring them down, or sabotage them, or kick them yeah. in the knee. You know what I mean? But like, take that that spirit of competition and like turn it inward. And yeah, make, we hold be ourselves about it, yeah. accountable and try to move in the right direction together. Yeah, I'm with you. So I mean, so anything else that you got going on right now that sort of people should know about, or anything about the Black Swamp that I think would be interesting? Or no, I mean, I think. Uh, just get out and support local music. That's yeah. it. You'll you'll be surprised in a positive way, most more likely than not. And there's tons of it around, and it's not later tonight anymore. And it, usually there's no cover charge. So, yeah. like I said, Arnland's got it. Juniper, Howard's, they're all of it. It's all over the place. Stone no, Star. we're ready. We're ready. I think you are too. No, it's like yeah. I got. We have so many shows lined up. It's sort of like almost. It's overwhelming, but it's yeah. like such a good thing to yeah. feel like. Like oh, I got a lot of work to do to get ready for this, yeah. as opposed to like sitting around waiting for it. So for sure. All right, so that's it. Uh, episode cool. seven of the Trina Leaves Experience. Thank you, Andrew, for uh, capturing our voices. Thank you, Tim, again. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back uh, next week or next sort of weeks with uh, another episode. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.